I want to welcome everybody who's listening to the first uh, AA podcast. I'm sitting here with uh, three co-workers, very talented animators. Uh, Mike. Oh, okay. Uh, Mike Zapnoff. Uh, uh, I've got a background in broadcast, games, visual effects, and now uh, feature animation. Matt. Yeah, it's Matt Willemies. Um I've got mostly a background in hand-drawn animation. And Kevin. Hey, it's Kevin McLean. I have a background in stop-motion animation, and now I'm also a computer animator. So I'm Tal, if I didn't mention that at the beginning, and I'm uh, the MD of the Animation Addict site, and I'm going to host uh, this podcast. I have experience in feature animation, and um, we're going to cover some stuff here that kind of came up in one of the, my earlier posts. Mike uh, brought it to my attention that he didn't totally agree with one of my points of view. Can I just rebut that? It's not that I didn't totally agree. I agree with what you said, but I felt like that you missed out on a couple of points. Fair enough. But I thought it'd be a great venue to kind of bring it up and uh, bring in kind of the perspective of animators that have worked in different mediums of animation. Uh, so Matt and Kevin both had different experience, and I thought it'd be great to have them talk a little bit about it. So uh, when we talked about use of reference and something that's become very, very common now in CG, uh, like we've mentioned before, is that there's a heavy, heavy use of uh, live-action reference. I think, for me, it's a positive thing. I don't know about you guys. It's, it's brought uh, believability to the performance, mechanics, stuff that maybe that was missing maybe 20 years ago that I think became more, I know it was driven more by emotion, but there was something lacking perhaps in the honesty or the genuine performance of it. And But again, it kind of brings to a pitfall of when you get to a point where you're rotoscoping it, like, you know, the old, old 2D days where it was like you're a slave to it and you end up just with carbon copy of what you've recorded and nothing more. So I'd love to get a perspective from each one of you. Uh, let's start with you, Mike. Okay, well, uh, oddly enough, I didn't really use reference that much until I came to the studio. Uh, and I still think that, I mean, I, I, the way that, that Tal's talking about reference, like carbon copying it, it's something that I've never really done even in visual effects, especially in visual effects, because you can never get an animal or a creature to do exactly what you want it to do on camera, because if you could, you'd just shoot it live action. So, uh, and also just because I'm fairly new to feature animation and uh, I'm kind of a high energy person, a lot of my acting is uh, hammy. So I take, I try and just take sort of just the essence behind a performance that I like and a lot of details. I like I look for a lot of details in my reference beyond just the core performance, but I've never really been somebody who will just really kind of go in there and just follow performance specifically just because I can never get a performance that is as specific as I want it to be. Um, but just sort of backtracking to the effects a little bit more, you know, that's kind of, I think, why I have this approach because you take three or four clips of an animal and you try and combine it into the performance that you want in a really realistic, believable way, but you also kind of need to see several different uh, clips of it just to sort of get the actual performance that you want. So uh, that's why I'm a little bit more comfortable just sort of hodgepodging it and making it up as I go along. But again, like I think that's why I look for details, just getting like a little specific bit of physicality in there that is really specific to that creature, that person, whatever, um, and you get that little detail and that richness. And I think that you get enough details in there on top of a poor performance, you get a shot that really, really works. So I think I made a point. Did I make a point? Uh, it sounds like you made a point. Okay. I'm curious, just what you mentioned, I was thinking while you were talking, is um, we've become really good, I think, at executing the reference, like mimicking it and, and reproducing it in a certain way, in an entertaining way. But 
I think it comes back to, down to the thing where when you look at the reference, you wonder, so I'm seeing that actor, you know, I'm not seeing the, maybe that character, but I'm seeing, you know, that animator doing it. And then you're like, well, is that animator a good actor? It kind of falls that thing where you didn't have to be a great actor to be a great animator. And now it feels, if you're the person that you're always recording yourself, then it kind of feels like there's pressure on you to be this fantastic actor that we've, we've never really studied acting, you know, in school. Uh, I mean, I don't know if a lot of us have the free time to really go do workshops and do that stuff. So comes a question, do you always shoot yourself or do you use other people? Do you are you used to using like maybe an animator that you know does a really good version of this character or that character? And, and 2D, how, how do you usually uh, work? In terms of live action reference, I, I think the way I was always kind of raised up in hand-drawn animation is they really emphasize you know, the dis distillment of things, of live action, of elements and poses. And so I, there have been, there's been one film in particular I worked on where there was live action reference, but I never ever used it, mostly because it wasn't very good. Um, but I think the way I've always kind of seen the people I admire is that they just study like crazy and they just keep those sketchbooks alive and they're looking at those National Geographics, they're going, noticing people, and to the point where it's like ingrained in them the physicality of how something works, how something moves. And there's always going to be a time where you're not sure how something works, um, and that's when you do go and study. But that's where like you know your thumbnailing process comes in for me. I, I actually find the, the live action process for hand drawing a little stifling to me personally because I'm, I'm, I really like to be about the moment and I don't even thumbnail a huge amount because I'd like to see my poses relate large on the paper because I can thumbnail something and it might work in succession when you read it left to right, but when you get those actually blown up on paper, they're not relating the way you maybe thought they would. So I actually thumbnail really, really loosely large, like just on the animation paper, the right composition. And that's like the best way for me to do it. And then from there, it's like suggests things to me. Like when I start flipping is when I start to see like, oh, okay, that's not working the way I thought it would, but now I'm going to do this because that I would have never planned for that. And I'm always amazed at like guys like Milk Hall, who was infamous for planning. Or like, even like the better example might be Duncan Marjorie Banks. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys know him, but he did Sebastian and Little Mermaid and Cleach. And McLeach, and he's an amazing draftsman and animator. Um, but his thumbnails are hilariously detailed. I mean, the guy animates it small first, basically. I mean, he does all the breakdowns, like every mouth shape, like he it's animated small and then he basically just does that large and I know that that totally works for him and I, I went through a phase where I tried that and I just it so blew the wad for me where it's like I was just copying at that point where I'd done small mm -hmm. there's no like like innovation like yeah it's like there's just like a moment where you're roughing it out where stuff comes to you and I might plan like the basic storytelling poses um, but I really have to, when bringing it back to live action reference, since that's what we're talking about, I really have to internalize it. And I will do some thumbnail studies just to internalize like what happens when a dog's foot lands and the shoulder blade pushing up and where that happens. But I, I don't like having it right there for me to reference because I feel like for me, it, it puts me into a, a box immediately. Um, doing a little bit of CG now, I, I I'm interested to try using a little bit more reference because 
2D is a little different than CG in terms of like, it doesn't look as realistic. You know, things are lit so realistically in the models, the way they look require a little bit more of that realism. Um, so I'm inter interested to try more of it. But when it comes to doing 2D, I will use a little bit of reference, but just as inspiration and to internalize it so that I can pour it out and do my performance. So Kevin, I was wondering, I mean, you worked in, in, you worked in one recent uh, feature stop motion film, mm -hmm. uh, and you showed some work, uh, and you kind of talked a little bit about it. I'm curious, that, that, the thing that scares me to death of all mediums animation is stop motion, mm -hmm. because it's straight ahead. Yeah. There is no editing. It's not like, you know, when you go on dailies and directors, like, oh, can you just tweak and this frame, this blink, can you just move this thing? And, and it's like, no, I can't, you know, because the lighting changes, right? I think you mentioned that the lighting changes over the shoot, so sometimes it warps, and, you know, you have to get it just done. So, I mean, for you, it's like you're committed to an idea, and it's not like you can sit there with live-action reference or something in one screen, look at it, try and see what's happening, and then, you know, try to reproduce it here, because, like, I've seen images of how stop-motion animators work, and it's like, there's a hole cut out of the floor, and you're, you're like, physically challenged to do it. Like, it's not like you're sitting back in a chair in 2D or CG, and just, like, working at a desk or something. You're physically in the moment. So, yeah, basically, I mean, it depends on the project. If the budget's big and you get to do, like, uh, blocking tests or rehearsals, you know, right. then that's, uh, that helps a lot. Uh, the blocking tests, you just do your key poses, and then you show that to the directors, and uh, you can, uh, you know, make tweaks and... Then you'll do a rehearsal where you do, uh, do it on twos or whatever, twos, fives, whatever you want to do. Make it a little, a little more detailed. And they, they never they never ask for it. Like when you show in dailies, is it is it common that they ask for changes ever to director? Or is it like basically once it's done and it's shot, it's Well, done? they'll try and catch stuff at that phase, at the rehearsal phase. Okay. And they'll sort of punch it in the direction they want, you know. And then uh, if it's a long shot, they'll come out... Uh, as you're shooting it, you know, oh, they check it out. Okay. See how it's going. You know. So, in a sense, you guys animate every shot at least two, three times. Uh, basically, I mean, it goes really. The first two tests go really quickly, you know, and then the first, then the actual tape, you know, you can spend days or probably a, lot, a week or on that one. So. That's insane because I've seen I've seen stop motion movies where I knew this animator. I think it worked on the Red Rabbit once, and he was an assistant animator to an animator. So the animator was doing like the lead characters, and the assistant animator was doing like the background characters, and he. He had to work at the same time. Right. God forbid he messed up that thing. <laughs> mm -hmm. I, I couldn't even imagine having to do that where it's like live. Yeah. You have to get it right with like this super experienced guy mm -hmm. who's focused on his thing and he can't really always double check what you're doing. So, I mean, if you have more than one character, and I've seen shots, you know, in movies where they have like, you know, 25 characters. Yeah. You know, Got to get it all right the first time. That's, that's some scary stuff. Yeah, I, I definitely like doing shots with just like one or two characters. And, uh, <laughs> I think we all do. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. But yeah, like I'm saying, like in the rehearsal phase and stuff, I like move the puppet around, see what it can do. Try and, I'm searching for the poses. You know, I don't really, I don't draw it out or anything. I just try, try and see what the puppet can do. And, uh, I just sort of find my poses that way, I guess. Uh, curious, Matt, regarding what you said that not using reference, you feel it puts you in a box. One thing that I find that I find that I have the hardest thing with when critiquing students or, or like people that are sending work for critique is, you know, if they don't use reference or they do use reference a lot of time, they get, I think, the confusion of post-pose animation mixed up with post-pose workflows. You know what I mean? Like, you can work post-pose is how you block. You block step. You know, there's different ways of working. But, you know, when they do post-pose acting, 
And they're like, oh, no, you don't understand. That's cartoony animation. That's Warner Brothers. I'm like, have you actually ever watched a Warner Brothers you know, cartoon before? It doesn't look anything like that. And, I mean, to me, people that don't use reference, I'm not saying that you have to, but a lot of time people that don't have the ability to actually visualize the whole performance in their head, it becomes a very kind of well, pose A, pose B, and there's no flowing through the poses. It doesn't matter the medium. It just it gets very locked off, and it becomes a very kind of, there's no flow, there's no organic feel to the to the acting, and I wonder like, if you don't use reference, how do you find a way to try to overcome that kind of? Yeah, I think it was just ingrained in me early that you just study like crazy, and you just really internalize. <clears throat> you know, I I remember when I was a kid reading, and everybody knows this quote and this story that that scene melted and uh, the Jungle Book where Shere Khan turns around and walks away at the end of the sequence, and it. I mean, I don't want to say it looks rotoscope because it doesn't, but it just looks so like a real tiger, just incredibly observed. And I remember, like as a kid, just rewinding that on the VHS and watching it over and over and over and over, and just being like, "How?" Like, <laughs> I didn't get it. And I mean, at the time, you know, all we had were you know VHSs to just kind of study. So that's what it kind of got ingrained in me early. Just like just study and figure the stuff out and internalize it. So I, I think you know, for maybe somebody who hasn't had that luxury to like really study, I could totally see how live action would reference would be a really important thing. And I mean, who knows? I mean, my, my workflow changes like with every film. You know, like, so I feel like I I mean maybe I if you interviewed me in another year, I, I would be saying something maybe a little different than what I'm saying right now. Uh, but I know for me, I just, uh, you know, the one film I worked on uh, that was 2D where we used live action reference, I just didn't, it was so just not helpful for me personally. And I think it just comes down to a personal workflow issue. I'm curious, in that film, was it, was, did they bring on outside actors or were you or the animators doing the performance? Occasionally the animators would do it. And you think and that actually was more helpful. That was more helpful. Yeah, surprisingly. Because, I mean, there's a reason we animate and we don't, like, stand in front of a camera. Because <laughs> controlling your body is totally different than controlling the character. Um, but no, I, I found that much more helpful. I, probably because they knew more what the scene was about. Mm -hmm. And the actors they brought in weren't really traditionally trained actors. So it, it's hard to describe. And maybe they were, but they didn't appear to be. Uh, it was just very cozy animation where... They're hitting these big poses, and maybe that's the way they were directed to be, but I, I just didn't find it, you know, help. When I'm looking at live-action reference, I'm looking for the way people really behave, yeah. and not somebody who's trying to act. So that's why I didn't care to use it very much. It's like that first rule, like, when we talk to your students, like, it's like, you want to, they ask you, well, how they should act. It's like, well, you should act in a way if you were surrounded by your friends. Yeah. And then they do something, and the first question you ask them is like, so I have a question for you. If you were in a room full of your friends, would you really act like that? And then I guess the same thing, it's like people's yeah. perception of what animation should be, what performance yeah. should be, instead of what genuine performance is. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, do you think, so like, I've kind of said this to my students before, I'm like, I might not be the right person to act out every shot, but I'm probably the right person to execute that shot that I'm working on. Would you agree with that? Uh, well, personally, I, I hate using somebody else. Uh, like, I, I'd rather find it myself. Like, mm -hmm. uh, like, that was my big issue working with mocap. Like, I, I felt disconnected from the shot. And it wasn't my ideas. Mm -hmm. So it's like, even if I'm being directed, even if somebody's acting it out for me, and I'm basically mimicking their performance, I'd still rather it be me, because then I just have a stronger connection to the shot. I have animated shots where somebody else did perform it for me, and I just basically use them as reference. 
but uh, I still, you know, just to sort of keep myself motivated, I, I had to kind of push away from that performance a little bit, just this way I still kind of felt like I was actually, you know, making the shot my own, basically. But I'm, I'm curious, though, I mean, in situations where, I mean, I, I don't know every show you worked on, but I've been on shows where uh, I, I can't, I'm not the physical build for those characters. Like, if it's a woman, you know, her center of gravity would be different than mine, and then I wouldn't want it to be my preconception of what a female woman like what she moves like yeah, like yeah. i would want to be a genuine performance based on the mechanics of how she moves and female gestures and not like the stereotypical cliche oh the wrist break here and, i mean that's it's not necessarily true and the same thing if you're limited by like having new kids elderly people that you're you're just you don't have the same things that limit you or right, feed right. you up so how do you how i mean so what would you do in that situation i just get more reference, reference. i mean i would do like stitch it together I, yeah I do the reference for, you know, I get, like, I use reference basically as my blocking. You know, like, uh, I use it to find the idea, and, like, that's how I keep the spontaneity. I do just a crap ton of reference. And, uh, you know, and, like, and then I kind of find a performance that I like, and I get that spontaneity, and especially with our software here, there's no opportunity for spontaneity on the computer. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so just uh, I, I try and get all that out, and then I use, then I find specific takes, you know, if it is a kid. I find the way that, like that a kid, you know, this giant head kind of leads him across the room instead of, you know, our hips the way that we do in an adult or something like that, mm -hmm. and I combine the two. And that's the thing that I most enjoy. Like, uh, you know, like games, you couldn't reference ninety percent of what you were doing because yeah. you know it's like a character flying or something like that. You know, so it, it's it's about kind of making something and making motion. And uh, and when it comes to performance, I think it's the same thing. But you know, you're never going to be able to get. I mean, obviously, the CG character is going to look different proportionally gender, age, whatever, you know, uh, Martian, you know, whatever. So there's always going to be something. Uh, but then you just need to kind of not limit your, you know, it's the same thing you're saying about study. It's like, don't just use live action to make your performance. Like, study other things that are specific to that performance and make sure that you get all those details in there. I, I think your word for study is the same word for me for live action. I study live action. Uh, you know, and it's, it's that resource that you can step through instead of going to the zoo and making a drawing, like I still have done that, and there's so much value to that, like especially gesture drawing, and like making appealing shapes and poses, because if you, like going back to the original point, if you just carbon copy and pose, it's just not gonna look good. Well, I mean, to me, the, the one, when, I try, when I try to, I guess, ex explain this, I don't know if I always do it correctly, is when you study the reference, it's not just, oh, I'm gonna look at, at this specific shot and just focus on it and what it does. I try to figure out, over time what the body does in certain aspects so you have you can build like a muscle memory so you always know god forbid you don't have reference you kind of kind of reverse engineer a shot based on your experiences in the past oh i know what the hips are going to do in this situation oh based on this and how long it takes to do a jump how long it takes a hand to get here so you train yourself to even understand over time what the body does it's not just like you say just for that shot having to go there all the time like at a certain point after years of doing it you can literally sit down and just fake it which is not a bad thing, but I mean, it's a thing where you get that sense of, I've learned how the body works and how it reacts to certain stuff. And, and you said you don't use reference a lot. So I don't know how it applies to you guys though, but I'm curious if Mike, like, and to what point do you use reference? Like how far you've done the blocking based on reference, do you continue to look at it and explain? Uh, well, personally, like assuming it's just a biped or something, you know, like a, I'll block it out. I, I, I'm not a step guy. I'm a layered guy. So like, I'll just basically grab the hips or whatever's really driving the shot and adhere pretty closely to the reference to that. You know, I don't do like fours or anything like that. I just kind of find my key poses, get my timing for that. 
And then, you know, at this point, like I've looked at the live action for maybe a couple hours, you know, maybe even a full day, even though I'm just really looking at the hips, I'm making a key uh, for the hips for a big movement on the arm or the head or something too. So I'm kind of ingesting the reference and really putting it into my head and kind of, you know, basically memorizing it to a point. So once I get my hips down there and I get my timing down there, a lot of times I'll turn off the reference, still kind of knowing what I, you know, what the reference was doing, but I kind of just want to use, you know, the lizard brain, you know, not actually go through and, and be tied to the reference and just sort of, I find myself like a lot of times when I'm looking really closely at reference, I do things just because the reference does it, not because it's a good choice. Mm -hmm. uh, and it works sometimes in live action, you can get like something kind of sloppy, uh, which really kind of can make it feel realistic, but you know, a lot of times it just looks bad too, so you kind of have to like pick and choose. And if you really study your live action beforehand and then like look really closely when you're doing just kind of like that first pass, I think that's great. But then you kind of need to turn it off and just keep going from there, remembering what it's doing, why it's doing it, the physicality behind it. But that way you're not doing stuff just because it's what you're seeing. I'm curious, you guys all heard the term happy mistakes in animation. Mm -hmm. Does that happen in stop motion, Kevin? Oh yeah, all the time, definitely. I mean, it's never going to end up exactly the way you were planning it. It's, mm -hmm. It always sort of takes a, you know, the puppets, you know, they, you just find out that you can't uh, move an arm a certain way. And, you know, just, just things happen during the shot, and, you know. You brought up really interesting about copying stuff. And it reminds me, it's a thing where, I mean, when I was in school, it was like people would look, animation students would look at animated movies all the time. Yeah. And study the acting. So that's a good acting idea. Not the mechanics, but, oh, I love what this animator did in this thing. And it became really popular to reproduce that. And it became, we were reproducing just cliche of cliche. It's like, there was no study in it. And it's interesting because it does tie into it, in my opinion. It's kind of thing where once you just copy something and continue, you end up with a very degraded version of it, and there's the genuine study of what it is, someone going, looking at something real and take, turning it into a graphic image, like Nico Marler or something, yeah. it, it, it loses something, and I think that's where... And I, yeah, and I think that I think the word I would use would be metaphysical, and I, I think that that's, a, that's something that you feel, you know, deep down, buried in your soul when you experience something, that that's what you're trying to get on screen and that you know that applies to live action reference for me because there's an essence going on there that it's not that you're trying to use the, F, the reference you're trying to find what makes it work absolutely and, yeah. yeah I think that's the, the key word right there. Yeah. And, but I mean there's something like emotional too about like you know we were talking about um, you know how many times in films have you seen a guy sees the girl, the love interest in the film for the first time and she's like backlit and like waves her hair and he's like, oh, you know, and like, how many times have you seen it? And there's, I mean, I, I don't know how many of you guys here are married, but I know when I saw my wife, we, we grew up together mm -hmm. and we were always friends and we never dated, but there was a big gap of time between when I saw her from high school till after college, and I saw her again, and she was just my friend in my mind. I remember when she walked through the door, there was something quantitatively different that I just, in my soul, I felt like, whoa, this is different, and she's amazing. And, like, that kind of metaphysical feeling is, like, what you're trying to get for me. Like, and that's why, like, live-action reference for me is sometimes a little bit of a hindrance, because I'd rather draw on a feeling from my past mm -hmm. And there's technical things that you can totally, totally learn from, from studying live action and use. But there's, for me, I guess it's just, 
another important thing I wanted to point out too is I'm sure a lot of students are listening to this. And, well, let's hope. And, <laughs> and I just think it's really important to like, if you just feel like you don't work well a certain way, you don't have to work that way. Yeah, you know, yeah, and, and yeah. like for me, live action reference, it just isn't a great thing for me. I, I really just don't like using it. Uh, if it's because of who I am and how I operate as an artist and I just, I'm an emotionally drawn person. So when I don't feel what I'm trying to do, it's just like I'm mechanically copying. Uh, so I just want to encourage, encourage anybody out there, CG, 2Ds, anybody, stop motion. If you don't relate to it that way, then that's okay. I mean, and if you're able to do, I mean, if you're given the talent to be able to do it without it, then God bless you. Good for you. <laughs> Not all of us have that, unfortunately. Um, I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, I want to thank Kevin, Matt, and Mike for stopping by and, and taking time to do this. Uh, let's hope this actually turns out okay. <laughs> and then hopefully we'll have a few more. Uh, thank you guys. Thanks for coming out and, and uh, bringing your ideas. And thanks for sharing your time. Thank you. Uh, I'll let you guys all sign off. Any last thoughts? Any individual? Mike, want to start? Uh, well, I do have a, a point. Um, I think just kind of the big overarching thing is if you're using reference, if you're not using reference, just the most important thing is you need to make sure that you're understanding what you're animating. And if you're just kind of thinking that you're going to be able to sit down the computer and make it up and be correct, you know, it's just, it's going to take a long time and it's going to be a problem. So it doesn't matter how you work, it just matters how you get to the result, but you got to make sure that you really, really have a good understanding of what you're animating, uh, you know, whether you're using your emotional connection or you're just using live action or a combination of both, hopefully, or, well, however you need to do it. All right, Matt, I mean, you just, yeah, do you have anything else to add? Yeah, I, I just did a little bit of soul splurging, I guess, but, um, yeah, like I said, I just want to encourage anybody out there who is maybe struggling with the idea of, of doing live action reference and just doesn't feel like it's really working for them. I wouldn't say to just bitch it, because um, I do feel there's a lot of value in study, <coughs> studying, but find the way you work, you know, instead of part of being an artist is just being true to who you are deep down, um, and uh, just go for it. Right. Kevin, any last words? Uh, yeah, that all sounds great to me. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Kevin's got it. Uh, for me, that'll be it. Um, look forward to any more posts coming up, and hopefully we can do this again. Uh, take it easy, and I hope you enjoyed it.